Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golf.com podcast. I'm your host, Sean Zock. We've got a guest in-house today in studio. It's early on a New York morning, but she is a 20-time winner on the LPGA Tour, a two-time major winner, and a vintner. Christy. Christy Kerr is here. Thanks for being here. Good. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing well. Uh, that last word that I used to describe you, vintner, I did not know what it meant yesterday. Tell our listeners what that word means. A vintner is basically a wine owner, um, somebody that owns a winery um, or wine brands in, in this case because we don't own our license, our own license-bonded property yet. So we're called negociants, which means we buy the grapes and make the wine uh, in a facility. I mean, you, you're not like dipping a toe into the water with this thing. You are very much like head on deep in the game. Yeah, definitely. We started in 2008 um, launching Curvature, which was our first brand. Um, and our, the 06 uh, Curvature Cabernet was our uh, first vintage of wine, actually. We got very, very high scores from Wine Spectator and a lot of other outlets. And um, off and away we went. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I call myself the Chief Tasting Officer. I thought that was kind <laughs> of a fun title. CTO. Yeah, I do um, marketing, blending um with our winemaker and um lots of other things that is a lot of things for someone who also has a phenomenal golf career right like you are busy as hell i am really busy <laughs> and then you throw in an almost six-year-old and a ten and a half month yeah. old and um yeah pretty pretty much don't sleep how do you do it all <laughs> i don't know some days some days i feel like i got it all under control and some days i <laughs> feel like i don't well i mean you're running around new york today you're gonna have a very very busy day but it's early like I said, uh, it's before 9 a.m., but you're running around with Loch Lomond whiskey. Well, I am studying to be a sommelier. I passed my level one uh, sommelier exam uh, two years ago with the Court of Master Sommeliers. So when you're a sommelier, not only do you learn about wine, but you learn about spirits and sake and a host of other a lot of other things. And being a golfer, I get to travel the world. Yeah. So um, a few years ago... Um, I went to the Loch Lomond Distillery in Scotland, in Loch Lomond, which is one of the most beautiful spots on earth, I think, uh, and just really kind of wanted to start learning about whiskey. Um, I, I happen to love American bourbon, but I also love Scotch whiskey, and I got the opportunity to tour the distillery uh, and the Cooperage uh, facility. They're only one of the, they only one of four facilities in the world that have their own Cooperage. Mm -hmm. um, they were founded in 1814. They're one of one of Scotland's like premier houses for scotch. Yeah. So when I got the opportunity to go tour their facility, I was very impressed, very, very impressed. Started geeking out about um, the kind of fermentation they use, uh, the kind of vessels for aging, the kind of grain they use, where they get it from. This is right up your alley. Yeah, just totally geeked out about it. <laughs> and when I said to them, wow, I can't believe you use the Solera system for aging, which is... You can look that up, guys. Yeah. It's a it's a cool um, system for aging where, you know, the, the oldest are at the bottom and then you go up and you keep blending down, blending down, blending down. So if, imagine a pyramid full of whiskey in which the bottom row is the oldest. Okay. And then you keep blending down, blending down, blending down until you get the vintage where you want it. So that's it's pretty cool. So I started geeking out about this stuff. And um, I don't know, there was a natural co connection uh, between Loch Lomond whiskeys and myself. And, um, you know, they were doing a program with um, a couple other male professional golfers who were going to release their own mm -hmm. limited reserve scotch. And 
um, I got the opportunity to do it. So that was pretty cool. And it's very forward thinking by Loch Lomond whiskeys to include a woman yeah. uh, in making a scotch. So Definitely. pretty awesome. And, and so what's, what's special about yours is that... It's aged. It's finished off for nearly a year in our Pinot Noir barrels, our 2016 Pinot Noir barrels, which just received... Uh, 94 point score from Wine Spectator. So pretty awesome there. Um, How does that change things for me who wants to taste it? Well, I think if you are a scotch drinker, you're going to find that it's an, a unique juxtaposition between an old world uh, single malt scotch with a little bit of sweetness from our Pinot barrels. It's incredibly complex and the finish is like two to three minutes on the palate. So pretty, wow. pretty good. I'm not I, I know I, it's I'm early not. in the morning. I'm like completely, <laughs> <laughs> I'm completely yeah. geeking out over well, here. Well, you're getting me drunk on these terms, but uh, I appreciate it. So Colin Montgomery was in here about a month ago. Mm-hmm. He's also doing yes. the scotch. And uh, I had, he had him, he sat in the same chair as you. I had to ask you the same question. Have you ever played a tournament round hungover? I have actually. How did that go? Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's, um, it's not something I'm proud of, <laughs> <laughs> but um I have really great friends in Taiwan and they always host these elaborate dinner dinner parties with traditional like Chinese and Taiwanese food and but the wine is second to none. I mean there's, you know, between 12 15 people there's probably 20 bottles of wine opened up and they're opening <laughs> up they're opening up like DRC and uh Chateau uh, Mutan and you know all these different wines and you know, I may never get another chance in my life to taste these. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to try it all. And then you try a little bit and then you keep pouring. And yeah. So the last round of the Taiwanese tournament, I didn't play this this past year because we had another child, but the year before that, I think I downed about three Pedialytes <laughs> in the hour right of the golf course. I felt like crap. I felt like crap and like, oh my gosh. and I actually finished top 10. So I don't know. What? Maybe there's some, yeah, I played great. Maybe there's, <laughs> I, I typically try too hard. So yeah. I think that kind of loosened me up, but yeah, I felt awful. You know, that is, that is a story though, that I think everybody who listens to this can relate to at some point. You have played a round of golf hungover, maybe not a tournament round. Yeah, no, I mean, that's but. the first and probably the last time that'll ever happen unless I go back to Taiwan yeah, and then and it's a good possibility. <laughs> it might happen again. Uh, this wine career has taken you places that golf hasn't necessarily always taken you. I mean, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but you're celebrating New Year's with Maroon 5. Uh, <laughs> yes, yeah, you're going pretty cool. all kinds of places. Uh, what has surprised you most about this secondary passion? Well, I think, you know, being a professional golfer, I mean, LPGA is not as popular as PGA Tour. Um, we're getting there, but... Um, to get out of golf, I feel like it's always been more difficult for the the female golfers. Yeah. So, um, you know, you never know. I mean, starting a wine company, I never imagined that, you know, we would have such a celebrity following and be able to spend New Year's with Maroon 5, by the way. <laughs> Adam Levine is really cool and a huge golfer. Yeah. So. Um, that makes it easier yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So it's, I never imagined it would take us where we are. You know, I, I said starting this out that I wanted to to do it with my whole heart mm-hmm. and to see if we had a future in wine and to do it exactly the way I wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. And now not only do we have a successful wine company, but we are also making a scotch with one of the best houses in Scotland, Loch Lomond yeah. whiskeys. Yeah. I mean, you said do it with your full heart. 
just looking at your social media, I would say your full heart is very much in it. I mean, you are all. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't do social media as much as I need to right now. Um, it has become a giant monster for everybody. I feel like that's either a celebrity or an athlete or, I mean, it is, you get judged by it. You get, you know, rated by it. You get loved and hated by it. It's, um, it's a monster. It really is. Why is there such a huge connection between spirits and golfers? I think if you play golf long enough, you're probably (laughs) going to end up drinking something in your life. Yeah, fair point. (laughs) Whether it's, you know, wine or or, uh, scotch or sake or, I mean, golf's stressful, you know, and it's nice to have that glass of wine or or that dram at the end of the day. Does Christy Kerr have the best wine among the professional golfers like Ernie Els and all these guys that have their own? Well, you know, I have to tell you, Ernie is a great friend of mine and I really respect what he's done in that space. And I haven't been to South Africa yet, but I, I would really, really love to go tour yeah. his his vineyards and, and see what they're doing in the winery there. Um, you know, that everybody's individual taste is different and I feel like only you can be the judge. Yeah. Maybe I'll have to. Uh, let's dive into some golfy stuff for the rest of your time here. I was two years old when you won your first pro event. Boy. <laughs> and I only say that because that just means that... I'm it, old? No, <laughs> no. I only say that because uh, it means I don't really know much about it. And I want to hear what it was like to win. As an amateur, you won a Futures Tour event as an amateur in high school. I got really lucky that That's week. Crazy. I got really lucky that week because the first round I got off to an awful start. I was like five over after six holes, and then the skies opened up, and the rim, the the round got washed out, and then went on the next three days to play amazing and actually beat Kari Webb, which has not happened cool? too many times in my career when yeah. she's been at her prime. So um, she's also a huge wino really yeah huge wino you know i was wondering about that word i when i first wrote the intro instead of vintner i had the word wino <laughs> and then it felt like a little degrading to someone who would be in the industry to call you a wino but that's yeah, that's it's, appropriate it's a fun term yeah. it's a fun term but um yeah i mean uh going back to the question yeah it was pretty amazing to win a professional tournament as an amateur and i had a, a great amateur and junior career um you know way back when and it, it was the thing that launched me and gave me the confidence to be able to turn professional. Although my first year I did lose my, my tour card and had to go back to key school and then I've never looked back. Yeah. What's the image that pops into your head when I bring that week up? Um, <laughs> being in the library, like doing my term, like my term paper. No way. Yeah. Like <laughs> so much research, so much that I had to do besides golf. So like just sitting there and it's and not necessarily a fun thing that the the round got rained out because I had to go back to the library. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> uh, I was kind of a geek in school. Really? Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, right? At some point. Yeah. Uh, you quickly turned pro. And as you said, you lost your tour card after earning after earning it really early mm-hmm. before turning pro. Were you thinking like was did that seem like your only option? Did it seem like the obvious option or did you consider college anywhere? Oh, I completely considered college. Um, I had a very high GPA in high school, and my father was a school teacher. And you're a geek. I was a geek, the nerd who always raised <laughs> the hand in class, had the answer, um, the one everybody disliked, <laughs> the one that was the most prepared on really tests, the one golf. that everybody wanted to cheat off tests. Yeah. Um, so I had like a four point three GPA in high school. <laughs> oh, that's really high. Yeah, and um, I took so many credits that my senior year. 
I only went to the first from eight to 10 a.m. school because I had done all the credits in the previous year so that I could go do my work study at the golf course. And when the counselor wasn't coming around to check to see if I was working, I was practicing and hitting balls. No, but my, yeah, my, my father was a school teacher and we came up with a plan that I was either going to go for four years and get a degree or I wasn't going to go at all. And I was going to try because neither of us liked the idea of going for two years and taking scholarship away from other yeah. girls that needed it more than me if I wasn't going to give it my whole heart. Yeah. So that was kind of the plan. You gave it a lot of thought. I mean, <laughs> yeah, more thought than I think a lot of people would. The yeah. I mean, I was one of the only ones at the time to come out of high school and turn professional. So it wasn't that common. Now it's like nobody even thinks about going to college. Mm-hmm. And so then when you quickly earn your tour card and then quickly lose your tour card. That does, never does that, seemed possible to me. Does that me shake you a I, little bit? Yeah. I mean, I... You know, I had all these accolades coming out of high school and I had won this professional tournament and I got out there and got a rude awakening with how good everybody was and nobody cared who I was. You know, I thought I was, ha ha ha, you know, this Mm -hmm. big amateur junior coming out and I'm going to conquer the world and I was wrong. What did you need to learn? Well, I mean, I feel like I, I was overconfident for the situation going in. And I, I felt like I had to then earn my place and earn my respect. And it took me a long time to win. I won in 2002, and mm-hmm. that's the year of our our single malt scotch being released. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a perfect pretty, year yeah, for you. That's perfect cool, yeah. You go on to have a breakthrough in the 07 U.S. Open, but you had won a number of times before then. Did you did you feel like at any point that you didn't have quite the uh, the affirmation or the confirmation, like you needed to have it in a major? Yeah, I think once you win a number of events, the next natural step to building a legacy, I feel like, is winning a major. And um, that year was something else. I wanted to quit golf that year. What? I did. No I wanted, I wanted to quit golf. And um, I couldn't chip. Um, it got in my head. Like, I missed a lot of cuts. And then, bam, this performance this performance that probably saved my career, frankly. Um, At Pine Needles. Yeah, it happened. And I had a sense of fate that week. I don't know how how any other way to describe it. I had a sense of fate that week. And I saw like the number seven everywhere. I saw... What? Yeah, (laughs) like I... I mean, but it was crazy. I was tied for the lead going into the final round. And it was kind of a weird week because of delays. Yep. And we had to finish the third round Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And then I went back and I took a nap. Actually, I was exhausted. And then I just remember looking in the mirror, you know, half an hour before we were going to leave, just going, you're going to shoot 83 and you're going to lose the open. And it's just like self-sabotaging behavior because of the pressure. <laughs> yeah. And, it, you know, I've, I've worked with a number of mental coaches. Like, it's not easy being a professional golfer. Like, you have to work through your insecurities. And People that was the moment easy. when I decided, nope. No, you're not. You're going to go out and you're going to give it your best and you're going to win this dang tournament. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty cool you for me. You did it over Lorena Ochoa. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm just thinking about like your career. You're you're winning a lot of events in that like 03 to 2010, even after 2010. I mean, that was kind of like peak Sorenstam, peak mm-hmm. Lorena Ochoa. Yeah. I pe- people would argue that's probably the peak of the LPGA history is that time period. Well, for American golf. For American golf, yes. Yeah, I think, well, Ameri- Well, actually, no, not accurate. Ameri- yeah, American golf and Annika and Lorena and, like, the big guns. And mm-hmm. Kari, was, Kari was still there. Um, 
you know, a lot of the players that I, geez, I'm like one of the only one left. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like American golf has had its generation and now it's like super international. Mm -hmm. You could very easily have not made a breakthrough at that time. I mean, I guess how, how differently do you think your career looks if you don't make that break? Like, how do you, how do you value it? Do you, are you over the fact that you needed some type of affirmation? Were you big on legacy? Did you really want that? I knew I wanted it for myself. Yeah. Um, when all of that builds a career, right? Um, I don't have to worry about what would have happened mm -hmm. if I didn't yeah. because it happened. Mm -hmm. So. And it happened again in 2010. Mm -hmm. That was, that, that was, was that was, that was, that was domination that week. <laughs> it was like, and I knew it. I knew like, but it was amazing. Like golfers are totally superstitious. Yeah. I ate the same thing for dinner every night. I took my vitamins at the same time every night. Like I set my alarm the same way. It just, everything was like, boom, 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 routine, routine, yeah. routine. And this sense of like, I have this, I got this, like, I know what to do. I'm not going to allow myself to self-sabotage myself or be insecure. It was like, I'm still trying to find that space again, mm -hmm. you know, but it so, happened at least once. So yeah. that, that was one of the, I mean, that's the reason that you do this Yeah. to find that space. To clarify for, for people listening, this is the 2010 PGA championship. I brought it up and you immediately called it domination because <laughs> you won by 12 freaking strokes. Yeah. You went 68, 66, 69, 66 in a major, all four rounds in the sixties. You had an eight shot lead and then you shot the round of the day on Sunday. Like, yeah. That was new goal setting. Um, you know, my caddy at the time, Jason, uh, Gilroy, you know, we were so ahead that it was like, what are we going to do to stay focused? And I came up with this. Well, if I shoot 68 or better, you have to buy all the groceries for the U S open. <laughs> and then if I shoot 66 or better, you got to buy all the booze and all the groceries. So I shot 66 and saved me a lot of money. That is brilliant. You're never like, you're never like pinching yourself in any of those moments. For like, sure. You are. Well, yeah. Cause you're looking at the I mean, leaderboard. You, you have, have to 12. keep your, yeah, you have to keep your head down and keep going. But like the back nine, it became apparent that I was going to walk away with this thing and you have to, you have to reel it in because you can get quite emotional and you can mm -hmm. get like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. And I've trained for these kinds of things my whole life, but wow, I'm just, this is like my moment and you have to reel it in. Mm -hmm. You have to, you have to stay focused and you have to employ those techniques to, to keep you focused. Cause if you don't like, I mean, you've seen people lose big, big leads on the back nine on Sunday and yeah. you have to keep going. So it's a big day in New York for yourself. It's a big day for a lot of people in New York. There's a parade happening downtown for the women's world cup champions. And I was curious, you, you post an Instagram about them. Did you follow that team a lot this summer? Uh, a bit and especially in the tournament. And I'm just so proud of those girls. So proud. Are you going to get down to the parade? I, I don't know. These guys have so much media stuff lined up for me. I mean, there's alcohol to be sold. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> and things to be shared. Um, but uh, that would be pretty cool. One of the reasons I, I want to bring them up is because they are, in many ways, modern champions for equal pay between men and women. And that is something that it's a headline in our sport that doesn't really make anybody comfortable. And I really wish that being uncomfortable would lead to something. I guess I just want to 
put this out there to hear what your insights are because you've won 20 times on the LPGA tour. You've won two majors. You are third in career earnings in the women's game. If you think about it, you've essentially had the career of Dustin Johnson because he's won 20 times. He's won one major. He's fifth in career earnings. Why don't you break it down for people, the money? <laughs> yeah. So you've won 19 million in your career. DJ's won 61 million. Yeah, that's pretty much the gap. Um, and listen, I'm not saying that we're the same product as the PGA Tour or that we should even make the same money, but we should not make 10 to 15% of what they make. You know, I think that's, I think that's wrong. Um, you know, we're, we're getting there, but there's no reason why we can't in leaps and bounds catch up. We need to catch up. And there's companies on our tour, like the CME group, um, yep. AIG, and a lot of other companies that are spending the money in women's golf to help us catch up to that. We are a big deal that people deserve to see us and know us and know our stories. And it doesn't matter how many Asian players we have on our tour. They all have their own stories. We need to exploit those. I think that's a very, very good. They're point. all like really great people. And God, man, I wish I had their robotic golf swing. <laughs> like, it's incredible. Right? You know, and we have fiery Spaniards and we have, you know, the Nordic players and we have, the Mexican players, we have great American stories. We have, you know, I mean, Asians are not just Koreans. They're, Thai, you know, look at all the golfers from Thailand mm -hmm. and um, Australia and Taiwan and China. Shen Chen Feng, who we call her Jenny. We always we always joke that she's Jen Nei <laughs> from Forrest, from Forrest Gump. Gump. She is the funniest human being yeah. alive. Yeah, she's incredible too. Incredible. Uh, I'm glad you brought up all those names because people just aren't paying attention to the right things and they need to be told perhaps to be paying attention to the right things. Well, it's fine. And Americans always want to root for Americans. Yeah, um, that's but a big thing. We, we live in a global time and a global tour and we're very inclusive. I mean, our new Drive On This Is For Every Girl campaign really, really hits home with people because... We have Canadians that are winning golf tournaments, mm -hmm. eh? We have, <laughs> <laughs> we have, um, you have Latino Americans from California that are winning golf tournaments. We have, you know, kind of, you know, I mean, there's so many people um, that if we could just get the information out and the content that people would get locked into our tour a lot more. And I feel like there's a lot of corporations talking about the the equal pay unless we start standing up and saying we deserve more equal pay. Does yeah. it have to be equal? I'd love it to be equal. It's crazy. You know, Serena Williams talk about Serena Williams and yep. how much she tweets about this stuff. And, um, she should walk in the shoes of a professional golfer because mm -hmm. she makes a lot more than a lot of other female athletes. And I totally respect Serena and I've met her a bunch of times and she's awesome. She's a huge advocate for this. And unless me as a professional golfer or soccer player stands up and says, we, we deserve more, it doesn't always have to be equal, no. right? Because kind of still is a man's world, right? Um, especially in the business world. Especially but in the golf world. In the golf world, like, awful. we deserve more. I mean... You know, it's hard for me to even go to PGA Tour events because to see all of the stuff that they have, like even the caddies like have their own van for meals and stuff. And sometimes, 
it's hard for us to even get a meal at a golf course. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's getting better, but do you, so you think we're moving in the, in a, in a better direction? We are, but it needs, it needs, it's slow. It needs to be faster. Yeah. I mean, I, I might only play for another, you know, five to 10 years and no matter what I do, I will always be an advocate for the next generation. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm lucky that I've had the career that I've had to be able to start another business and now launch a scotch. Yeah. Because so, 20 years ago, that might not have been something that was on the table no, for you. Definitely not. And listen, I'm not sitting here bitching about the fact that we don't make enough money. We make a nice living if you perform well, if you play really well, if you play really well um, on our tour. And I think, I mean, we're so much, we're so relatable to people. Like I hear it time and time again, no one's paying attention time and time again in the pro-ams, like how good a time people have playing with us because we are, we're personable. And I mean, there's tons of companies on the LPGA tour that are starting to close the gap. Mm -hmm. Like I mentioned, Yeah. but, um, hopefully we'll get there soon. Like I said, we're not the same product as the PGA tour. And in many and it's, good ways. And it, in many good ways. But, I mean, they have huge television contracts, like huge corporate sponsors. And they have an amazing product to sell. Mm-hmm. We're not the same product. We are amazing, but we're not the same product. Mm-hmm. So um, we're getting there. Yeah. Well, I can tell it's something that's very near and dear to your heart. And, and there's a be. lot. And you know what's amazing is women, I feel like we're afraid to speak up sometimes because people will say... Oh, look at her. You know, she's complaining and she makes this great living. And, um, but we're not standing up just for ourselves. We're standing up for all women. Yeah. That's why I love women on wall street, professional soccer players, professional tennis players. Like, I mean, the women tennis players get paid almost the same amount, if not the same as the men. Yeah. You know, why can't that be the same in golf? I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here when I say that. Well, I think one huge thing is that they they play on the same stage. Yeah. At the same time. So that was another one of my questions. Pinehurst did that in 2014. Did you see that as a success? And do you think that that is something that should happen a lot more often? I thought it brought a lot of visibility to the women's game. I do feel like just because we don't tear up the golf course the same, that the women should have gone first. Okay. And I feel like the women got would have gotten a little bit more attention if... Okay. If they went first. Okay. Um, but I thought it was a success. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it can happen all the time because the length of golf course that they play and the setup match. and stuff, oh, it doesn't yeah. match. But, um, you know, amazing. The only difference in the men's and women's game is power, is distance. And people are so obsessed with that. And, I mean, it's rightfully so. I'd love to hit it 40 yards further. And like I sure. said, we're not the same product. But... Um, there's a lot of really great things that we do. I don't run golf tournaments. I don't set up golf courses. But I know a lot about the game. I would tend to think that we could do that every year. I maybe, don't know. Maybe it's too simple. Or I mean, maybe we're money, making it too simple. It depends on how much money the USJ wants to make. So I don't know. I don't know how much money they made off of that particular setup and having us at the same time. And But they bring the men to every greatest golf course in America, right? We're starting to get there. You are. Especially with the KPMG Women's PGA. I totally agree. Yeah, we just played Hazeltine. That was Mm -hmm. a beast of a golf course. But you look at distance as well, right? Because distance is a big thing. 
on the on on the the PGA Tour, the guys hit it so far, and mm-hmm. I feel like we almost played that championship too long this year. Like they did a comparison, like we played sixty nine hundred yards and under the conditions, like when they That's played crazy. the Ryder Cup wow. there. Comparatively, if they played the same distance that we did, their course would have been eighty two hundred yards. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like I feel like our tour's gotten obsessed a little bit with distance. Okay. Like it's That's almost dangerous. like if the women don't play long enough, like we're not good enough, you know. And it, I feel like there's a stigma there, and length's not everything. You know, I was talking to Beth Daniel and Meg Mallon about this. Like length's not everything. Like people also want to see birdies. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and good approaches. Yeah, and, and all that jazz. Yeah. Um, before I let you go, I wanted to bring up the Solheim Cup because I think the Solheim Cup is one of those, one of those things where we're not as a golf collective are probably not paying the proper amount of attention to the Solheim Cup. And it will be a little tricky this year because it's in Scotland. Mm-hmm. But I, I think generally the the conversation about these team international events in professional golf, it's like, is it a Ryder Cup year or is it not? And mm-hmm. when it's not a Ryder Cup year, we just have to wait until it is a Ryder Cup year. And what's beautiful is that when it's not a Ryder Cup year, it is a Solheim Cup year. So this year we have the Solheim Cup and I'm curious. Are you already thinking about it? You kind of have to be. Right? I am. You're and never not I'm not it. actually qualified for the team yet, which I need to get my booty going. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm always thinking about it. It's one of the times you get to represent your country. It's a blast to be able to hang out with all the people you try to beat every week. Yeah. Um, the camaraderie, the memories that you make. You've um, also played on like the level of, of golf, the level of golf that's played, I feel like is heightened. I don't know if it's because it's an exhibition or people have nothing to lose or it's national pride or whatever the case be. It's heightened. It's a, it's yeah. like a drug. Yeah. Like playing on these teams. Like incredible focus on every incredible shot focus. Every You're, it, I mean, most of us get sick actually after really? the week of the Solheim Cup because it's like this huge adrenaline high and then you just you crash. You crash. Wild. Yeah. And yeah, I'm thinking about it and. You know, I don't even know if a lot of the the people that listen to this podcast even know who the Solheim family is, but they're the family that started Ping, and they've been in the business for over 80 years, and they wanted, they loved women's golf so much that they wanted to start this international competition to foster um, sportsmanship and good play and to help grow the game of women's golf, and they really, really have. And they're a lovely family, and they p- have put so much money and heart and soul and passion into this. And I just want to say thank you mm-hmm. because I've gotten to play on nine of them. Yeah, and and um, I see how much it's helped to grow the game, and I see how popular it is. And um, it's an honor to play for your country, and they've given us that opportunity. You've also played really, really well. I have. So I Cup. have. Yeah. It's an easy thing to like when yeah. you play so darn well. Yeah. Uh, you've played incredibly well with Lexi Thompson. Mm-hmm. I'm playing with her next week in the Dow. Yeah. And how about that as a team competition? A new sponsor Warm coming up. in. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So before you go, I mean, can you explain why you and Lexi are so damn good together? Um. Like you, like you're a- abnormally, like disproportionately good together. 11 1 and 2 I think I don't know we both grew up in South Florida okay and we both um at one point or another taken lessons from Jim McLean the guru yep um gotten to know each other kind of through that and I've seen her she's watched me play growing up and I've seen her grow up yep um so I think the 
I, I don't know why we are so good. At, I, it's kind of like you don't want to think about it. You just want to keep going. Just keep running it back. But I think the personalities match. Okay. Like I'm always like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And she's kind of quieter and um, she does have to tell me to shut up sometimes, yeah. <laughs> which is fine. She does. And I'm that like, happens. okay, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, it's like I talk a lot more than she does and she's like quiet and tense and I'm like outwardly intense and um, I don't know. It's just, it's fun playing with her. That's kind I get of to watch her hit the ball. Yeah, she you know, it. And I don't ever let her get down on herself. Okay. Um, and she does, she's started to do that with me as well. So I think it's a ham and egg kind of sort, sort of situation. Well, I think you need to be on this team then, right? Well, <laughs> yes. Julie, Mrs. Inkster. Well, I told Julie, I'm not going to make her pick me. So I've okay. got five events All left right. to make some noise. All right. Well, I mean, if we were going to drink at nine in the morning, I think we would <laughs> cheers to that, but I'm going to wait till after work today, but I'm looking forward to this. Go with the giant ice cube too. Okay. Yeah. If you One like giant ice, ice cube. or you go neat. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you. And it will be available later this summer on LockLomondWhiskeys.com. Okay. So I can go back to that when I run out of this guy. Yep. Perfect. Well, thanks for being here. Always. Thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone tuning in. That was Christy Kerr. If you enjoyed the convo, help us out with the review on iTunes. Subscribe. We need your support. Until next time, I'm your host, Sean Zock. <laughs>